Today we're continuing our series on spiritual maturity. You ever been in church and you've seen somebody that obviously has been in the church for many, many decades probably, and, and yet they've not grown to spiritual maturity. We're not talking about growing old physically or even mentally. We're talking about growing old spiritually, and it's not really about growing old. It's about, it's about growing to maturity and being able to see things the way that God sees them. So we used the scripture as we got into this series from 2 Peter chapter 1, and he says, add to your faith. He's, the, he's assuming that you've embraced faith as the foundation of your life. And God says, listen, don't just put the brick of faith anywhere in your life along with all the other things. He says, no, this is the foundation of your life. This is the cornerstone of your life, in fact. The rest of your life gets built around this based upon how Jesus is the foundation of your life. And the walls of your life go up properly and great. Everything begins to work out in a good way. Now, does that mean that this life is going to be perfect? No, it's, it means this life is going to be full of meaning and purpose no matter what happens to you. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. But it means it will be meaningful. He will turn graves into gardens, right? He will take the bad and he will do something good with it. But this foundation has got to be there. He says, add to your faith goodness. That's the next level. Add to your goodness, knowledge, add to your knowledge, self-control, add to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, you got to add godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, you add love. And so often we think that love is just the nature of us. How many of you know that's not true? You watch any two-year-old, <laughs> they do not wake up loving, right? They wake up saying, Where's my stuff? Okay, so growing to spiritual maturity eventually gets us to love. Well, I know what love is. Well, wait a second. You don't know what love is until you've grown spiritually. That is the only way to get to love, true love. All right, so today our topic is this, being friends with God. Friends with God. The beautiful sycamore trees in the back, have you seen those? Aren't they beautiful? They shed all year long. Our folks have such a great time picking up after those trees all year long. Well, one of the sheddings that they do is their bark. As the trunk gets bigger, the bark doesn't grow with it. The bark begins to crack and eventually sheds off. It peels off in these big, long peelings, and they're kind of fun to step on. I have a problem with that. But because it doesn't grow with the tree, the bark has to be shed. In the same way, as you grow spiritually, as you get bigger spiritually, per se, there are going to be people in your life that don't grow with you, and they need to be peeled off. They need to be shed off. People that don't want to grow with you, don't want to grow spiritually, people that want to stay the same way that they've always been in your life. And they will do whatever it takes also to keep you from growing. They will hold tighter to you. They'll wrap themselves around you and say, no, don't grow, don't grow, don't grow. But then eventually, if you do grow, they've got to be shed off. Why should you remain stuck with them when they don't want to grow? Now, if you're investing your time and your energy in life and people who are always negative, never commit themselves to godly things or important things, and they're self-serving, 
That's a sign that you need to grow spiritually because when you grow spiritually, you're going to find yourself being able to shed those people out of your lives. The scripture says this, don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. And the very next statement says this, come back to your right way of thinking. Come back to your right way of thinking. He could see how people's relationships in the church, this was the early church he was talking to. He's saying, come back to your right way of thinking. He was seeing how their relationships were affecting the early church and their personal lives. You see, right thinking is thinking like God thinks. Finding out how God thinks about certain things. Right thinking is learning who he is, what he likes, and what he doesn't like, and saying, okay, I'm going to begin to think like God thinks. And that's important for you to find out. But the wrong people in your life are going to influence you to think like people. And we don't naturally think lovingly, do we? So the first step to good friends and good influencers in your life is to stop walking with people heading the wrong way. It's just as simple as that, isn't it? Some of you need to shed some people in your life. Now, does that mean that you can't reach them? No, it means you can, you can be there, but you can also be a, a, an influence to them instead of letting them be an influence to you. King Solomon pleaded with his son this. He said, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. So you need the people of God in your life to influence you. I need the people of God in my life to influence me. We've, we've got to be influenced onto bigger and better things in Christ, don't we? People who will inspire you to grow spiritually. People that you can look at and see, okay, there's the next step in my life with God. If I grow, if I follow this person, I can, I can get to that next step in my life with him. You see, the wicked say, turn, the, turn a blind eye when a friend sins. True love says that you won't let a friend do something without saying something that's going to ruin their lives. You won't let them do something that's going to ruin their lives without saying something. The wicked say love embraces all lifestyles, no matter how destructive it may be. Love embraces that. That's not true love. True love says we only validate good. We love you, but we will only validate the good, the good things in your life. We love you, but we're not going to say the bad is good because that would lead you to destruction. That's true love. Proverbs 14, 7 says, stay away from fools. There's nothing they can teach you. So we have to be very careful who we're allowing to influence our lives. And as you grow spiritually, some of these people are going to have to be shed off, right? Who you allow to influence your life changes your life. It changes your life. Who you let speak into your life. If you hang out with an atheist long enough, listening to them continually beat down your God, eventually it's going to change you. Now the hope is that they hang out with you long enough that it changes them. But if you let them influence you, if you spend enough time with the people at work that live unfaithful and ungodly, soon you're going to find yourself giving in. You've got to become the influence where you are. You've got to become that good friend. Listen again to the words of Proverbs, the wisdom of Proverbs. He said, wise friends make you wise. If you want to be wise, get some wise friends. But you hurt yourself by going around with fools. Another version said it this way, whoever walks with wise people will be wise, but whoever associates with fools will suffer. Disaster hunts down sinners, but righteous people are rewarded with good. 
Psalm chapter 1, uh, the beginning of Psalms, you know, there's 150 chapters of Psalms. So this is, the, this is how that huge book in the middle of the Bible began. Great blessings belong to those who don't listen to evil advice. How many of you want great blessings? All of us do, right? Who don't, like, who don't live like sinners and who don't join those who make fun of God? Instead, they love the Lord's teachings and think about them day and night. Have you found yourself thinking about God's teachings day and night? When you wake up in the middle of the night that you're thinking about what God is saying. When you grow spiritually, you'll find yourself getting there. So they grow strong like a tree planted by a stream, a tree that produces fruit when it should and has leaves that never fall. Everything they do is successful, but the wicked are not like that. They're like the chaff in the wind that blows away. So through the years, I've seen people come to the church, and, and a lot of people come to the church, and they, they like the idea of getting to go to heaven. We all want to go to heaven, right? We like the idea of getting to go to heaven, and we like the idea of having a place that we call a church home, but here's the question. Have you come to grow spiritually, or have you come to just put a check mark in a box to say, well, okay, I get to go to heaven, I went to church, I, I, I know these people at least, but I'm, I'm really not interested in growing spiritually. That's a big question in your life. And I've seen people come and go and they didn't change their lifestyle. They didn't change how they lived so that they could accommodate for this relationship with God or even us. They didn't want to really immerse themselves into the body of Christ and become a part of it. And as, as we've grown, what happened? They fell off because they didn't grow with us. On the other hand, we have so many that did come to grow. And I'm looking at them. You wanted to grow. You wanted to become better in your relationship with God. They're sitting at home on, online right now. They want to be here. You want to grow. You took on God's way of thinking as your own. You've become better. You've become stronger. You've become resilient. And your relationship with Him has become full of meaning. I've seen you completely change from the person that you were when you came here to the person that you are. Why? Because you began to grow spiritually and accommodate God in your life. You accepted Christ and you accepted us. And it's a beautiful thing. It's awesome. You're becoming true friends. You're becoming like the friend that Jesus was talking about when he said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. That's what you're becoming. So I want to encourage you today. Work on cultivating godly friendships in your life. Listen, you're never going to know when you need a fortress friend in your life. You never know when life is going to happen to you. And you're going to need friends that stick closer than a brother especially Jesus. Cultivating that relationship with Christ and relationship with people that are godly is so important. Here's some reasons why. Godly friends can get you God's connections in life. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was friends with uh, three young Hebrew boys, and uh, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel had been promoted greatly in Babylon and he used his influence to get some jobs for his best friends. And this is what it says. And these jobs were God's plan for these friends. And Daniel was used to take his friends to that palace to do that. It says that Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. So good godly friends are going to help you get where God wants you in life. 
just like Daniel did for these guys. But ungodly friends, they're not going to help you get where God wants you in life. They don't know what God's ideal for you is in life, and they're certainly not going to help promote you. Godly friends will also be there for you. They're going to be there for you. We're going to be there for you. In 2 Kings chapter 2, there's a story of Elijah and Elisha. God had told Elisha to go to Bethel, this place that was a long distance off from where he was. And Elijah told Elisha, he said, stay here while I go. But look at what Elisha said. He's a good friend. He said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. That's friendship. Good, godly friends won't leave you. They're going to be strong. They're going to be the steadies in your life. They're going to be there when someone better comes along or something better comes along. They're not going to leave you for that. Why? Because this is godliness. This is what God wants in our lives. They're going to be there for you when the the going gets tough. Listen, you need to build your life around godly friends. You've got to have that in your life. I have a friend who lost his wife four or a couple of years ago, and as, as he went through a four-year process before losing his wife a couple of years ago, I was there for him in ways that I didn't know. I had no idea how much of a stable I was in his life until afterwards he started telling me. And I certainly had no idea that a year and a half after he lost his wife, I would lose my wife. I needed him, and I, I had no idea that he was going to be there for me all the while that that was happening in his life and I was there for him. I never knew that I was building a fortress friend in my life that I would have great need of one day. I had no idea how much I would need my kids. I talk to young couples sometimes and they're like, oh no, we're not going to have any kids. We're just going to... Well, I know now how important it is to have kids in my life. My kids are strong and stable in my life. Amen? My parents, I'm so grateful that I continue to cultivate and develop a relationship with my parents. I don't know what I'd do without them. Dad got me out of the house yesterday and took me fishing. I was in a bad way yesterday. You ever been in a bad way? Dad took me fishing yesterday, you know? And I don't know what I'd do without them. I don't know. And the church, I don't know what I would do without you guys. I had no idea how much I would be dependent upon you to love and care for text, call, pray for. You guys have been there. I don't know what I would have done without you. I have no idea where I would be without you. Invest your life in godly people, and you're going to build your own fortress. You're going to build a life that matters with people that care about you. I cannot imagine being alone at this point in my life without anybody. You've got to invest your life in the people around you. Also, godly friends will even risk their lives for you. They will risk their lives for you. The Apostle Paul, he said, uh, he was telling the, Roman, the church in Rome at the end of the book of Romans, he said, I want you to greet Priscilla and Aquila, some beautiful people. He says, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. We don't know what they did for the churches. We don't know what they did for the Apostle Paul, but he remembered it. And for the rest of history, it's written down that these two people risked their lives for the church and for Paul. Isn't that awesome? Godly people will risk their lives for you. And I don't know about you, but the way the world is moving, I'm probably going to need some people who will risk their lives for me along the way. And you probably are too. 
The godly know that when we put our lives down for someone else, we're actually doing it for Jesus. That's friendship that lasts for eternity. Also, godly friends are loyal to one another. Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, I, wanted to, <clears throat> I want to be encouraged by news about you. So I hope the Lord Jesus will soon let me send Timothy to you. Timothy was a young pastor. He said, I don't have anyone else who cares about you as much as he does. The others think only about what interests them and not about what concerns Christ Jesus. But you know what kind of person Timothy is. He has worked with me like a son in spreading the good news. I hope to send him to you as soon as I find out what I, what's going to happen to me. And I feel sure that the Lord will also let me come soon. I think I ought to send my dear friend Epaphroditus back to you too. He is a follower and a worker and a soldier of the Lord just as I am. You sent him to look after me, but now he's eager to see you. He's worried because you heard he was sick. Listen to how Paul is speaking about Timothy and this guy Epaphroditus. He's, he's speaking of them in such personal terms. He's like, these guys care about you. They love you. They love the church. They love being with you, and I'm going to send them to you. These people really cared. It was fun when I was here by myself this morning. Ken walked in the back door, and he was so excited to be here, he just completely forgot to shut the door. It was just him and me. It was awesome. You could just see the smile on his face and the peace when he walked in the room. And that's coming to the house of God, and that's coming into a place of friendship. And that's what it is, coming in to be with godly people, godly people. Godly friends never bring up your bad past. Everybody said amen to that. If you've got a friend in your life that continually tells you what you used to do and how you're never going to be better than that, you need to shed that friend. Or they can accept Christ and be with you, right? And we're going to be doing water baptism soon. And, and uh, if you want to be baptized in water, let me know. But that's what water baptism is about. That is my past. And that is old, dead, and buried this is the new me. Amen? Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever forgives an offense seeks love, but whoever keeps bringing up the issue separates close, closest of friends. Never bring up anybody's bad past. The scriptures say that love covers over a multitude of sin. Love covers over that. And that's what we're here to do for each other. We're not here to kick you when you're down or remind you of where you've been. We're here to encourage you, pick you up, and help you get to where you're going in Christ. You see, godly friends act like your past never happened. Your bad past, right? In fact, we forget about it, and we push you to strain towards the good. In fact, godly friends see your past as a launching pad for your future. If we see your past at all, it's only for the purpose of what God might use it for. Does that make anybody happy? You need to hang around people who believe that God has made you into a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? 
That we're not here to use your past against you. Jesus had no, and listen, Jesus had no interest in spending any of his life with people who wanted to see the worst in him and wanted to see the worst in his friends. He had no interest in being around those people for any given period of time. One day there was a guy that was demon possessed and he was, he was also blind and deaf. This guy had a bad, bad life going on. And they brought this guy to Jesus and Jesus healed him. Healed him of blindness, healed him of deafness, and he also re, re, uh, got, got the demon out. The people who were there, they saw the good, and they, they believed. They were like, wow, this must be the Messiah. But then there were people that heard about it that didn't want to believe the good. They wanted to believe the negative. They wanted to believe Jesus was, was not the Messiah. It didn't matter that he was the Messiah. It didn't matter that he healed the blind and the deaf and, and delivered the demon possessed. It didn't matter that he was the Messiah. They didn't want to believe. They didn't. They they were angry about it, and they turned it and warped it into a bad report. They said this. When they heard the report, they were cynical, and they said, "Black magic, some devil trick he's he's pulled up from his sleeve." Seriously, this guy has been deaf and blind and demon possessed. All this time, you guys know it, and Jesus heals him, and that's all you've got to say? Some kind of trickery? And Jesus confronted them. He said, a judge who gives opposite verdicts on the same person cancels himself out. A family that's in constant squabble disintegrates. If Satan banishes Satan, is there any Satan left? If you're slinging mud at me, calling me a devil kicking out devils, doesn't the same mud stick to your own exorcists? Ouch. But if it's by God's power that I'm sending the evil spirits packing, then God's kingdom is here for sure. How in the world do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an awake, able-bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first? Tie him up, though, and you can clean him out. He's saying, I tied up the devil, and I cleaned this whole guy's life up. I, I gave him his hearing. I gave him his eyesight. He's clean. He's good. And then he says this, this is war, and there is no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you're my enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. What is he saying? If you're not my friend, you're not my friend. You're my enemy. Jesus didn't have any, any interest in people that didn't want to believe in him, and he didn't spend time with them other than just trying to tell them, hey, you can be my friend if you want, but this isn't going to work. One day, Jesus had to correct his disciples on a couple of things, and they were missing the point of what he was doing. You ever seen a church that completely missed the point of what Jesus wanted to do? Yeah. They were missing the point. They were starting, off, they were, they were starting to fuss among each other, and, and they, were, they were like, hey, I'm more important than you. No, John's more important than you. No, Peter's more important than you. And they were fussing and struggling with this, so the, the same stuff that we've seen go on in churches elsewhere. And, and God says, you know what? That's not good. They had been on a long journey, and they'd finally arrived at Capernaum. And they go into this house where they're staying, and Jesus asked them, hey, guys, what were you guys talking about on the road back there? What were you guys fussing about? He could tell that there was something going on in their relationships. There was something divisive in the group. And this is funny. It says, the silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over, whom, uh, over who among them was the greatest. He sat down and summoned the 12. Said, guys, come around. Let's talk. So you want to be first place, do you? 
then take a last place. Be the servant of all. Then he brought a child in. Put him in the middle of the room, but then Jesus went over and he grabbed up that child and he says, cradling the little one in his, in his arms, he said, whoever embraces one of these children as I do embraces me. And far more than me, God who sent me. Still sitting in the living room, John spoke up. Teacher, um, we saw a man using your name to expel demons and we stopped him because he wasn't in our group. He wasn't one of our friends. It appears that John was thinking this was going to impress Jesus with his boldness here. But Jesus' response was just the opposite. Jesus wasn't pleased, it says. Don't stop him. No one can use my name to do something good and powerful and in the next breath slam me. If he's not my enemy, he's my ally. Why anyone, why anyone by just giving you a cup of water in my name is on our side? Count on it and God will notice. On the other hand, if you give one of these simple childlike believers a hard time bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd, better off, you'd be better off dropped in the middle of the lake with a millstone around your neck. You see, godly friends... Believe in good things. Look for good things. And, and these guys couldn't even see it in a guy that was trying to serve God. He was doing good things for God. And even John was, was, was like, wait a second, he's not in our group. We're the ones that go around doing this kind of stuff. We're the ones that take care of the spiritual matters in this town. And, and they pushed this guy out. He was a friend. And they missed it. They missed it. Godly friends are in the same business. God's business. James David, would you come? One of the greatest things about becoming a follower of Christ is that you become a partner, a business partner with God in doing big things. God gives you a cut. God gives you stock in the kingdom. God gives your life meaning. You get purpose. You get purpose. You have a place and people to belong to. You have the kingdom of God to build. God makes you a business partner in what he's doing. Not as a servant or as a slave, but as a friend. He says, I want you to be my friends. And my friends, we do things together. We work together. We play together. and we, We build together. That's what Jesus came to do for us. All these things that we've talked about, we get to be that for God. And Jesus said this, this is my command, love one another the way that I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. Now let that sink in. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. Jesus is saying, you're going to get to understand what I'm thinking and what I'm planning. The things that I want to do, how to build the kingdom, growing your life. He says, no, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil as fruit bearers 
Whatever you ask, in the Father, ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. Are you friends with God? Are you a friend with his people? Are you growing spiritually? Can you look at your life and see where the ungodly influences have just kind of fallen off along the way? That's so important. You can become the influencer in this world. Romans chapter 16, if you want to turn there with me, I think we have, we'll have it on the screen too. I wanted to end with this today. It's full of friendship. So the Apostle Paul, he's sitting in jail and he's writing these letters to the churches. So if you can imagine, I mean, we're talking dirt floors, gross, not, not good. And he gets to the end of this letter and it's like as though he begins to reminisce all of the wonderful friends that he's had through the years. He says, be sure to welcome our friend Phoebe in the way of the master with all the generous hospitality we Christians are famous for. Isn't that beautiful? I heartily endorse both her and her work. She's a key representative of the church at, at Centria. Help her out in whatever she asks. She deserves anything you can do for her. She helped. She's helped many a person, including me. Say hello to Priscilla and Aquila, who have worked hand in hand with me in serving Jesus. They once put their lives on the line for me. And I'm not the only one grateful to them. All the non-Jewish gatherings of believers also owe them plenty. To say nothing of the church that meets in, the, in their house. Hello to my dear friend Epetinus. Epinitus. He was the very first follower of Jesus in the province of Asia. Hello to Mary. What a worker she turned out to be. Hello to my cousins, Andronicus and Junius. We once shared a jail cell. They were believers in Christ before I was. Both of them are outstanding leaders. Hello to Ampliatus, my good friend in the family of God. Hello to Urbanus, our companion in Christ's work, and my good friend, Stachys. Hello to Apelles, a tried and true veteran in following Christ. Hello to my family, the family of Aristobulus. Hello to cousin Herodian. Hello to those who belong to the Lord from the family of Narcissus. Hello to Tryphena and Trophosa, such diligent women in serving the master. Hello to Perses, a, a dear friend and hard worker in Christ. Hello to Rufus, a good, by, a good choice by the master and his mother. You can just see he's just thinking about these people and how wonderful they are. She's also been a dear mother to me. Hello to Asyncritus, Phlygian, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and also to all of their families. Hello to Phlygus and, and Julia, Nurus and his sister Olympus, and all the followers of Jesus who live who live with him. Holy hugs all around. All the churches of Christ send their warmest greetings. Man, I wish they had better names than that. But what an awesome, awesome list of people. Imagine you being in prison one day for Christ and you being able to sit there and go, man, 
say hello to Sophia. What a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful smile. I miss her. And what a wonderful lady that helps greet and do all the things that she's done for the church. And Ken, who plays the bass, and Jerry and Carol, who moved here to help start the church some years ago. And what a beautiful family. What about Jason and Jackie? Oh, I can't. I remember still the first day that they came. I mean, just to begin to reminisce. And that's what's happening in this, this chapter. He's just like, what wonderful people. What wonderful people in the kingdom of God. And that's who we are. That's who you are. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Ask my kids, if you want, what I think about you. Before you ever think that I think anything bad about you, you ask my kids. Because they know how proud I am of you, each of you. How much I love you, pray for you, believe in you. You make me laugh. The things that you think disturb me or bother me, they just make me laugh. Because it's the humanness that Christ died for. And I enjoy it. And I'm asking you to be that kind of a friend with each other. Accepting love and loving one another. Embracing one another. Working together as the kingdom of God. Being there for each other as you've been there for me. I know you are. But maybe you're here today and maybe you say, man, I've just never really bought into this religion thing. Well, that's not what I'm inviting you to. I'm inviting you to what we talked about this morning, real relationships with people that are real. Damon brought me a bag of weeds this morning. I said weeds, not weed. (laughs) It looks like weed. (laughs) It's uh, grass seed. Yeah, hallelujah. (laughs) Bear spot in my front yard needs to be repaired, and he's going to fix it for me. I'm grateful. We listen to the little things that each of us need and we try to be there for each other. I've seen Amber grow. Completely different person now, aren't you? Kate's back in kids' church. Chris the work God is doing in their lives, doing ministry. It's awesome. Bill and Jana, one of the most beautiful things that Chloe said, and I don't know if this was you guys too, but Chloe's now a children's pastor. And she said uh, she was so frustrated that God was calling her away from us, but she said, She said, because of this church, I've learned to love the church 
I never knew that I could love the church. Isn't that beautiful? And that's because of you. That's because of you. Abby, she was a little girl when she first came, and now she helps teach kids' church. It's awesome. The kingdom of God. And those who are online today, God bless them. Do you know Jesus? He's a truly wonderful friend. Scripture says he sticks closer to you than a brother. The moment you feel he's farthest away, he's drawn close to you if you'll let him. And we're to do that for each other. So I'm not inviting you to religion today. That kills. But the invitation is to a relationship with Christ if you don't have that. And right where you are, I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't, I don't need to put any notches on my belt. This is not about that. It's about you accepting Jesus into your life and becoming a friend of God. And we're here to be your friends as well. So if you'd like to do that right where you are, let's all just bow our heads. Would you talk to him? And you can just be honest with him. You may not know who he is yet. You may have heard some things about what he likes and doesn't like, and maybe you disagree with those things. The truth of the matter is you just need to get to know him and understand him. But it begins with accepting him into your life and the Spirit of God coming alive inside of you. Scripture says that without Jesus, you're dead in your sins. But when you accept him into your life, the Spirit of God comes alive inside of you and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old things are passed away and all things become new. So do it right there. God, I accept you into my life. I want to know you. I want to get to know who you are, what you like and what you don't like. And I want to embrace that in my life. I want to grow into a relationship with you. So today I make that decision. I embrace you into my life and I thank you. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your forgiveness of my sin. I repent of it today, and I want to turn my heart towards you, and I want to run towards you as fast as I can, and I thank you for people in my life that will help me to do that. I turn my life towards you. I give you my heart, in Jesus' name.